Genesis, the 38th chapter. We are reading the story of Joseph. Okay? We're reading the story of Joseph. And um, uh, Joseph just got sold into slavery by his brothers, the majority of them whom wanted to kill him. And they finally made a compromise and uh, sold him off into slavery. Reuben didn't know about it. He thought that... uh, he was going to come back later and pull him out of the pit they threw him in. But anyway, he was all out of control. Sold him off to the Midianites who were part of the uh, Ishmaelites and, uh, and sent him off. We see it in the last verse of, the, of, of chapter 37. The Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Okay, so now here we start out. Joseph has these dreams. He has these visions. He sees his pictures. He's telling it to his brothers. He's a little obnoxious about it, best as I can tell. And wonder why they didn't like him. Well, he's, you know, and he's dad's favorite. And he's got the pretty coat. And la, 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 la. Guess what? You guys are going to bow down to me. I saw it in a dream, you know. Some things you probably shouldn't share. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, so here he pictures God giving him this vision of, of raising him up and using him in a mighty way. And he gets sold off into slavery. Now, then we take chapter 38. Chapter 38 has really nothing to do with Joseph. It's like this inserted chapter dealing with an issue that's a little odd. And and let's read it. It's just one of those things, okay? Now, at that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. There, Judah met the daughter of a a Canaanite man named Shua. Uh, He married her and lay with her she became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. That's on Thursday nights. And she conceived... (laughs) I don't know why you come. She conceived and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth to still another son, named him Shelah. It was at Kazib that she gave birth to him. So Judah got a wife for Ur, which was the firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. What did he do? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. It says apparently the judgment of God fell on him, and and Ur bit the dust. All right? Well, then Judah says to, to Onan, have sex with your brother's wife which sounds a little odd, but this is what the, it was actually an obligation back then, to fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce offspring for your brother. In other words, again, in this culture, so far from our culture today, where children are not valued at all, and children are nothing but an inconvenience and a bother, and you know, da-da-da-da-da, which is really sad, these guys were actually obeying God's command, where he said, be fruitful and multiply. By the way, it wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. We don't talk about those things today, but... That's in reality what it was. And they were obedient to God. And these people cherished this. And if a woman couldn't have children, this was devastating to her. Or if she couldn't find a husband, it was devastating to her. So they came up with a rule that if your brother uh, was married and he didn't yet have a child that could carry on the name of the brother, that the other brother in line would have sex with the lady, but she would that's, that child would belong to the name of her of his brother, okay? 
Again, nothing that we do today, but uh, this is what they, what they did. Well, so here's what happened. So he says, lie with your brother's wife, fulfill your duty as her brother-in-law to produce your offspring. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. Which, by the way, this really, 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 really fries me. This idea, for some reason, and all of you that have stepchildren or you're in any kind of a blended family, listen to me closely. And thankfully, I haven't talked to any of you along these lines, so no one thinks I'm talking to them. (laughs) But listen to me closely. I do not understand this mentality that I love my kids, but I can't love the other kid. I don't understand that. I don't know what biology has to do with it at all. Why is it you can love one child but you cannot love another? For no other reason than it's not mine. It's not mine. A lot of men have a struggle with this. But dude, if you bought into a deal where there was another child there, you have a responsibility before God to love that child as your own. You do not have the right to ignore that child and favor your own child. I don't want to, it's not mine. Well, then you shouldn't have married the girl. But enough of this nonsense. I just do not understand it. What thinking other than pure selfishness in the mind of an individual? It's mine, it's mine, mine, that's not mine. I love mine, 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 I love it. It's not mine, go away there. Thank God I never experienced that. You know, I wasn't born a Gunger. I was born a Rodriguez. I look more Puerto Rican now, don't I? Just saying it. Pastor Mark Rodriguez. Me and my two brothers were born Rodriguez. Okay? And then my mother and father got a divorce. And then later down the line, my mother remarried a man by the name of Gunger. And this man adopted us and gave us his name. And all our lives he's never treated us any differently than his own kids never once in my life was I ever referred to as a stepchild never once did he show favor to his children that were biologically his and diss us never once to this day and my dad he's getting up there in years and he's struggling now with with dementia and he can't remember a lot of things interestingly enough He seems to remember us guys more than his own kids. And when he sees me, I'm his boy. You're my boy. You're my boy. God bless him. And then I meet guys today that diss their ones that aren't biologically theirs and favor their own. In front of them. As you, as a man of God, as a woman of God, some women do this too. Do not do that. There is no reason why you cannot love them all the same. Somebody say amen. Amen. There is no, you don't run out of love. It's not like a checking account. There's a limit there. Right? There's a limit there. There's only so much cash you have access to. But love, there's no limit on that. And this whole idea of despising what's not mine. This is mine. That's not mine. This is mine. Not mine. Don't do that. Anyway, Onan knew it wasn't going to be his. It's not going to be my kid. So whenever he lay with his brother's wife, which was more than once, he liked that part of it. 
he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. You go, holy cow, that's a little uh, more info than I needed. (laughs) But this is a major scripture in the Old Testament. This is a major, the story of Onan, Onan's seed. Uh, It's from this that really for many, 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 many centuries... Uh, believers, uh, people of faith, the Jewish people, uh, even early Christians really felt that any kind of birth control was in fact a sin. Now it doesn't say that, but that's where they get this from, okay? Because he spilled his seed and, and God punished him for it and uh, he, he, wouldn't let, he wouldn't impregnate uh, the, the sister-in-law. Had sex with her, had no problem with that, but wouldn't every time it would come... He'd, He'd withdraw, and that would be the end of it. And there, and there would be uh, a lot of criticisms about that. A lot of ju- that's where a lot of people struggle with this whole uh, birth control issue, and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable because of this story. Now you're going to see here that what happens is uh, verse 10. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death too. Remember, brother one kicked off, and now God brought judgment on this guy. The question is, what was it that he did that was wicked? And, and people taught for years that if you, you masturbated for centuries, that you know, that's you're spilling your seed and that's the sin of Onan and God will judge you and you will, you will you'll be punished by God for doing that. Now there's a million reasons not to do that other than this. But this is where this comes from. You know, again, this is Genesis, the beginnings. What we learn here is a lot of fun, foundational things in the Old Testament of why, we're, why you know, who we are today and, and how we got to where we are. So that was it. Now... What we basically believe in, in the light now of today, now there's some people who would actually still disagree with us. Some people still believe that that is the sin. Uh, but what we believe was the sin, it was the fact that he didn't do what he was supposed to do. It wasn't so much that he spilled a seed or that there's some God's going to kill you for that or going to kill you for birth control or anything like that. It was that he failed to do what, he, what uh, was required of him as a brother and what his father had asked him to do. So that is what we believe. Again, a major, major, if, if, if you read church history at all, you'll see that this whole issue, much of it, spins around this one account. So it's, it's a pretty significant verse of scripture in light of that issue in, in people's lives. Kind of a big issue. But, uh, um, so anyway, I mean, that's, that's kind of how we view it. What, what he did was wicked because he didn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, wouldn't sire the child. Uh, not so much as uh, what he did literally. Anyway, Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamara, now live as a widow in your father's house until my son Sheila grows up. For he thought, well, he might, might die too, just like his brothers. And so check it out. Brother number one is married to the girl. He dies. Son number two gets with the girl. He dies. Son number three, he's not in a big hurry to send over. Are you hearing me? I mean, he doesn't know. The, 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 the reality is these other two guys were acting in a wicked way against God, not being obedient. We don't, we don't even know what the first guy did. So he told Tamar, just wait until the other guy. So they were actually waiting for the boy to grow up so that he could then have sex with... I mean, this was the tradition. This was the rule that they were supposed to do. A little creepy, but anyway, that's kind of what it was. Well, it says a long time... After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep. And his friend Hira, the Adullamite, went with him. So his wife is gone. He's been without her for a long time. 
Uh, now, when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes and covered herself with a veil to disguise herself and then sat down at the entrance of Enaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she thought that though Sheila had now grown up, she had not been given uh, to him as his wife. She was still waiting for the deal. He's grown up now. Come on. It, it wasn't about love in any way, shape, or form, people. I'm telling you, they weren't thinking those terms. It is a little creepy. She just wanted a child. This was the culture. It was a great disgrace to them not to have a child. I mean, this was ingrained from them in everything in their culture. And she was ticked off because now the boy, how come I, we're not having sex? What's the deal here? So the dad is coming into town. He's been without his wife for a while. So she changes her outfit and puts on a veil and stuff like that. And then Judah comes walking by her. And when he saw her, he thought she was a prostitute. For she had covered her face. That's what prostitutes did. She basically dressed up as a prostitute for this very thing to try and snag Judah. Well, not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went in... He went over to her by the roadside and said, come now, let me sleep with you. And she said, well, what will you give me to sleep with you? Well, I'll give you a young goat from my flock. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So I said, okay, well, he gave her, uh, gave them to her and then had sex with her. And she became pregnant by him, which was her point. That's what she wanted. Now, again, not a whole lot of romance here involved. Obviously, he never even recognized the girl. He just wanted his jollies, and that was it was over with, and he got out of there. Well, after she left, she took off her veil and then put back on her widow's clothes. Well, meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Dolomite, in order to get back the stuff he gave to the girl the, that he pledged, his seal and stuff like that. But when he shows up with the goat, she's not there. And he asked the men who lived there, where's that shrine prostitute who was beside the road? And they said, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute there. And he goes back to Judah and says, well, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute there. Then Judah said, well, let her keep what she has or we'll become a laughing stock. After all, did I send her this young goat? But you didn't find her, so I kept my end of the deal. Well, about three months later, Judah was told, hey, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution. And as a result, she is now pregnant. All they knew is all of a sudden she's pregnant. How did she get pregnant? She's committed adultery. She must have been a prostitute or something. Well, then Judah, in his righteous indignation. You know, we're very quick to condemn people of the very sins we are guilty of. You ever notice people like that? They're very quick to judge and condemn people. And, and they just, and again, you know, back to what I opened up with. I mean, a lot of people, the reason they read stuff into it is because that's what they would do. That's what they would do. Rah, so they're expecting, they're waiting for the offense, and then you do it. I know he meant to me. Well, Judah said, well, bring her out and have her burned to death. Yeah, how come Judah didn't offer himself burned to death? Because he had been with a prostitute himself. Didn't seem to have a problem with that. But the prostitute, well that's outrageous. Let's, let's, let's have a, a roast. And as she was being brought out to be burned to death, she sent a message to her father-in-law. He says, I'll tell you who it is. I'm pregnant by the man who owns these. She said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. 
Well, of course, busted! <laughs> Judah recognized them and said, Ugh, they're mine. She's more righteous than I am since I wouldn't give her to my son Sheila. He knew that he hadn't fulfilled the end of the bargain. He had ripped her off. It was the only way that she could be with a man to have a child. This is my fault. She's right. I was wrong. And he did not sleep with her again. Uh, when the time came for her to give birth, there, there were twin boys in her womb. And as she was giving birth, one of them put his hand out. I just read it like it says. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist. This one came out first. Remember, the big deal is whoever came out first. They got everything, right? Well, but then he drew his hand back in. And then his brother came out. So this is how you've broken out, she says. And he was named... Perez, and then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out and was given the name Sarah. These are the twins that came uh, as a result of her fooling her father-in-law into making her a mother. I really don't know what the point was in all of this story, except, you know, obviously this is a major thing. A lot of people don't remember a lot in the Old Testament. This is one of the major stories they remember, mainly because of this debate and argument over the sin of Onan. All right. Now let us continue. Now we're to Joseph. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted uh, to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all, that he, of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. He literally turned everything over to Joseph. This guy, just you talk about rising to the top. Talk about getting a raise. I mean, here's a guy that was so favored. He was so blessed. He was so successful at everything he touched. He got risen to this great prominence in this Egyptian's home. Now, here's the problem that we have uh, when, when we read these stories. Um, because we read him so fast. You know, we just read through, we're going to see all kinds of changes in his life just over the next few chapters here. And it's as if it just happens right away. It didn't happen right away. We don't know how long this took. It may have been years. And we're going to see that there were years involved before the next deal. Where again, he gets blessed by God. But here's a guy, remember, 
He's trusting God. He believes God has spoken to him in a dream. And, and, he, and, and he's full of faith. And he's, he's got the favor of his father. He's just on top of the world. God has spoken to him, shown him that he's going to be great someday. And that his entire family will bow before him. Someday. He didn't know what it meant, but he knew what God had showed him in the dream. And all of a sudden, he finds himself sold into slavery. And now he's going through hell. See, we, we don't see those parts of the stories. We kind of brush over that and quick go to the, the... The reality is, he was suffering greatly. Where is the promise of God? How come God doesn't answer my prayers? God was going to bless me. I guess it didn't happen. What's the deal? What's, and by the way, we will see as we read this that it's, it's, it's many years later, at least 10 years or more later before these dreams ever come true. Here's the interesting thing when God speaks something into your heart or even some, sometimes someone will prophesy something to you, you know, where, where they're anointed of the Holy Spirit and they'll look at you and say, God has something special for you and they'll speak into your life. You know, maybe you're going to go do this or this or that. One of the biggest stumbling blocks most people have is they expect it to happen right now. Well, they, well, maybe not now, maybe in a couple of months. Maybe in a year and a half. I'm telling you, most often there are years in between. Oftentimes, such a long time that you have to stop and remember the word that was spoken to you. You have to stop and remember the dreams and the visions that you had. A lot of times, you get to the point where you don't even remember them. It's got, it says, don't be in such a hurry. The minute you have something to force something or to move into a position or to be something overnight because someone sees a gifting in you and prophesies to you and you feel God has this in you, don't get discouraged when these things don't happen right away. Goodness gracious, this, even in my life, now it shouldn't, it shouldn't take as long as it took me, but you know, it took me a long time. You know, I saw all of you people 20, 30 years ago. I, I just had this picture of my heart of these faces looking at me as I ministered to them and I taught them from the Bible and stuff. I couldn't really see your faces, but, but it's, it was you guys. I know it was you. You are fulfillment of, of a dream that I had over 30 years ago. And in fact, it was so distant that when all of a sudden God started blessing my life and this became a reality, I had to go, it's that picture I had. It's that, it's that word, that vision that God had spoken into my heart 30 years ago. You don't get discouraged because things don't happen right away. Don't get discouraged when it seems like you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and the answers haven't happened right away. How come it doesn't happen right now? I prayed. It should happen right now. Look at this. It, you know, he got uh, thrown into slavery in chapter 37 by 39. He's already in charge of everything. Years tick off during these processes. And stop and think, he is not in a place of comfort. He is sold into slavery. He is humiliated. You can imagine everything that goes with that. The lack of food, the lack of proper uh, facilities, the lack of, of proper shelter. Here this young man is going through what any of us would call hell. 
And finally he gets sold off to this Egyptian. And there he is. And all of a sudden God starts blessing him. And everything he does, he succeeds. And the Egyptian goes, hey, that's pretty good. Do you know much about this other stuff over here? Well, that's pretty good too. He gets to the point, the only guy's got to worry about what he's going to eat. That's a great gig. When everything in your life is taken care of and all you got to worry about is what I'm going to have for dinner? That's pretty rocking and rolling. God is blessing him. Things are great. Surely Joseph is thinking, yes, this is it. God's raising me up. I, I can't stay down forever. He hasn't forgotten about me. Well, the next verse. Now, Joseph, end of that verse, actually. Joseph was a well-built and handsome stud machine. Much like your pastor. (laughs) He was a studly boy. He was a good-looking boy, well-built. Ooh, check him out. And after a while, Potiphar's wife, his master's wife, took notice of Joseph. He goes, hey, check out the boy. And he says, hey, come to bed with me. But he refused. God bless him. By the way, you don't have to do the wrong thing. Somebody say amen. Amen. I can't help it, Pastor. He's a young man. Young man can't help but just have sex. They've got no choice. Yes, they do. They all have choice. They all have choice. Which really fries me, you know, not to, not to pick on homosexuals, but you know, they get, they get fried on this thing where they say, you know, they're made that way. God made them that way. They have no choice. Yeah, they do. In fact, even heterosexuals have a choice. Are you hearing me? Nobody has to have sex. No one has ever, 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 ever died from lack of sex. Never once. Now millions of people thought they were going to die from lack of sex. But you don't. We're not animals. We're human beings. We control. We, we, we buy into this nonsense. Of, well, you know, we can't help it. You just can't help it. I just wasn't even there. I was just like, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened, Pastor. I just oh, so I was naked. <laughs> Here's a man who fortunately didn't live in the United States of America in 2008. Because all of those boys today are convinced they have no choice. Well, I gotta do it. I don't want to do it. I'm sorry. I didn't really want to do it. She asked me. You know, it wasn't my fault. I had to get naked. Couldn't control myself. You can control yourself. Indeed, you need to control yourself. And God bless Joseph. He did. The hot lady comes up and says, Hey, come here, big boy. And he says, No, forget it. With me in charge? He said, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day. Come on. 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 
Day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Lady, you're creeping me out. Leave me alone. Well, one day he goes into the house to attend to his duties. Unfortunately, none of the other household servants were inside. And then she grabs him by his cloak and says, Come to bed with me. But he took off. He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Ah! <laughs> Reminds me of a story. I have a friend who's a pastor. And, uh, you know, because you, you get some really unusual counseling situations from time to time. And he says, he says, you know the weirdest one I ever had? I said, what's that? He says, some lady came in with a coat on and walked in my office. And when she got in, the door was closed. She took off her coat. She was completely buck naked. I said, what did you do? He, he said, stay here. I'll be right back. And he walks out the door and he says, and I just ran. And I ran out the front door and I was running down the street. And I just kept running and running and running. So I said, you had to go back eventually. Which she, no, she gave up. She figured out it was too stupid and moved on. Flee youthful us, the Bible says. Run for it. And he ran. But when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she calls her household servants. And now she fakes that she's been raped by him. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. By the way, they didn't really like the Hebrews. We're going to see this a little bit later as we look into the uh, story of Joseph here in, in, in Egypt. Uh, they really kind of, you know, talk about racism. I mean, and, and it was just the beginning. So remember, they eventually wound up in slavery for 400 years. Why? Because they really thought of, 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 of the Hebrews as just a notch above squirrels and chickens. You know, they, they didn't think much of them. And, uh, and we'll see, you know, this, this real bigoted attitude they had to them. So right away, one minute she was have sex, the next minute he's just a Hebrew. You know, this Jew. You know, that kind of thinking. He came to us. And he's made sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. Ah! <laughs> when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And she kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. And she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought to us came here to make fun of me, make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger, and Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. (sighs) Here he does everything right. Does everything right. Does all the stuff that we look at, we, we commend him, say, this is great, this is the way a young man should be. A man of character, a man who controls himself. A man who thinks, oh, I was going to say something. Never mind, I'm going to say it. A little, a little. A man who thinks the right way. Ask me later, I'll tell you what I thought. But anyway, he does everything right and he gets thrown into prison because he does the right thing. And it starts. All over again. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. 
How would that affect us? How would that affect you? And a lot of us, man, the minute things don't go our way, we pray, we cry. I tried, I waited for a year, I waited for two years, it didn't happen, I've given up. If the Bible was real, how could this be happening to me? Here's a guy who does everything right, and he goes right back into the toilet. And now he's in prison. Bad enough to be a slave. Now he's in prison. And we're not talking county lockup. Okay, we're not talking the Wisconsin penal system here. Carceration system. We're talking, what is this? 5,000 years ago? So whatever the timeline is, 6,000 years ago? You can imagine what pleasant facilities these places were. Brutal. And now he's suffering miserably. A lot of us would curse God. A lot of us would shake our hands at God and yell at God. God, how could you let this happen to me? And as a result, push away God's blessings from us and give up. But here's a young man, as soon as he wound up back in the bottom again, he just started doing the right things again. And we'll see a little bit later that he actually was in the situation for some years. But look what happens. But while Joseph was there in prison, again, the bummer here is that you get the impression that they threw him in prison and then the next day everything suddenly goes well for him. It wasn't automatic. There was a lot of suffering, time that passes. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, so the same thing starts happening again. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Absolutely trusted. There was something about this young guy. He's in his 20s. He's in his, how do you know that? Because we'll see by the time this other stuff comes, this, this, this when, 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 he's, when he's 30. So he's a real young guy through all this. When he first, his brothers first throw him in the pit and stuff, who knows, he might have been a teenager. Some may, we don't know the exact chronology, but here's a guy in his 20s and, and there's something about him. The Potiphar just trusted him with everything. And he gets thrown in this prison and he's downtrodden again and miserable again and I'm sure there were times he felt like God had completely forsaken him. But never gave up on his faith. And God starts blessing him again. And there's something about this guy that the warden goes, man, you do a great job of that. You do a great job. And pretty soon, he's in charge of everything again. Granted, it's in prison. Still lousy. Still a bummer. But there's something, you know, there's, there's a great thing here. You can't keep a good man down. <laughs> you can't keep, you know, when, when God is blessing you, you might have setbacks, you might have challenges, you might have trouble, you might, there'll be things that will happen to you and you'll think, why is this happening to me? But you need to be careful with that. Rather than getting caught up with the why is this happening to me, we need to have an attitude of, Lord, in the midst of my trouble, I praise you. In the midst of my struggles, I give you thanks. God, in the midst of this trial and tribulation, when others would curse you and turn their back on you, I praise you and I give you thanks. That's when God can start lifting you up and empowering you and strengthening you and blessing your life. When we come back next week, we'll pick it up at chapter 40 and we will read the story of how this process keeps going. Though he was stuck there for years, 
you know, at least for sure two years. And once it, was, it says, you know, two years passed, we don't know how much time passed in these other situations. But before God gets of, puts him in a situation where he rises to be the second most powerful man in the known world at that time. It is an amazing story. And that vision and the dream that he had as a young teenager finally comes to pass. Then it becomes a reality. And he had to remember the dream that he had had earlier. It's an amazing thing. All right, we are done. Praise God. We will have our ushers come forward and we will serve God with our gifts and offerings. I know that uh, there's a lot of people who only, you can clap. Yes, there you go. There's a lot of people, because of their work schedules, can only come on Wednesday nights. That's why we give them a chance uh, to give. Uh, There's some people who uh, only come on Wednesday nights because they want to only come on Wednesday nights because they prefer this to the Sunday morning services, which is fine with us. Uh, Personally, I would love it if you were here for both, but that's your call. We're just glad that you come at all so that you can hear the word of God and get uh, challenged and, and grow in your faith. So anyway, let's give these offerings to God. Father, we thank you that you bless us, Lord God, and help us, Lord, to be like Joseph. God, help us to be men and women who do not give up on our dreams, who aren't overly anxious, too big of a hurry. Help us not to be the kind of people who lose faith and become angry and bitter when we have to suffer, when we have setbacks, when things are going the wrong direction. Lord God, help us to be faithful. It's easy to be faithful, Lord, you know, when things are going good. Not so easy when things are going hard. Help us to be men and women of character. That we're faithful, period. Faithfulness that's truly tested, even in the worst of situations. Grant us that kind of grace. Help us to be those kinds of people, we pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.